Thanks to the wonderful folks at Anchor.fm. Welcome, listeners, to Tom Reads Your Story. Join voice actor Tom Zania as he reads from past audiobooks and other spoken word projects. You writers may also be given the chance to have your newly written material, fiction or nonfiction, read to an audience. This show will get the words out. And now, here's the host of Tom Reads Your Story, voice actor and podcaster, Tom Zania. And as always, thank you, Mr. Announcer, for that lovely introduction. I, of course, am Tom. Welcome, voice actors, writers of all kinds, and audiobook listeners. We are celebrating the spoken word. And this is Tom Read Your Story. Thanks for stopping by. I'm glad you're here. So today we have got, I, I think, a slightly longer show than usual. Not a lot. Uh, but I think it might be, I'm going to, see, I haven't timed it yet. That's why I'm saying this. But I think it's going to be 32 to 35 minutes. Now, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Yeah, that's no big deal. Uh, I think you'll be interested in staying by if it's uh, a few minutes longer. Uh, and I do appreciate that. What we have today is... Uh, some ads, or what? Two ads, actually. Um, no, it's not. It's one ad and one video game audition. For books, and this is a good book, this is called The Borrowed Souls by John D. Kohler. And he has written a great book. It's kind of one of those after-death stories. And I'm going to be playing the first part of the first chapter. And uh, it's it's a very good book. Also, the first thing, uh, book I'm going to be reading from in, the, the, in, in my medium section is about four or five minutes long. It is called The Magic Table, Prose and Poetry uh, for the Over 80s Crowd. And you'll really like this. Very humorous, written by Americo Petrocelli, I should say the late Americo Petrocelli, as I have learned in the past year that he passed away uh, two or three years ago. And uh, this was the very first audiobook I ever did. And it's not bad for a first time, but the editing is, is a nightmare. So forgive me for that. Okay, so let's get on with things. The golden mantis can survive on a diet of nothing but spiders. They eat more than 100 in a single summer. No chemicals, no sprays, no granules required. Nobody fights bugs better than bugs. And nobody knows that better than Joe's Pest Control. Joe's Pest Control, creepy, crawly, and under control for over 25 years. And that, of course, was a pest control ad audition that I did for Joe's Pest Control. Uh, let's see. Pest control. Oh, yeah. Bugs. Termites. So uh, I want you to remember, as always, uh, my email address if you want to send something. 
that I can read, or excuse me, I can take a look at and and record. Uh, my email address is Tom Reads Your Story. Tom Reads Your Story at yahoo.com. I'll be glad to take a look at it and and uh, read it and give it a my own personal flair and play it for an audience, hopefully an audience. Uh, but thanks for considering that. Also, you first time voiceover people, if you have questions, make sure you send those questions to the same address, email address, and I will discuss it uh, on the podcast. You may have questions about equipment. I can't talk that much about equipment, but I can for beginners. Um, vocal exercises you can do, familiarizing yourself with script, that type of thing. Just let me know. It's once again is Tom Read Your Story at yahoo.com. So, next up, what we have is a passage from my very, very, very first audiobook that I was just so proud of getting. It's called The Magic Table, Prose and Poetry for the Over 80s Crowd. This is the recording of the retail sample that Audible has. Uh, it's not taken from one chapter. It's here and there and uh, a few minutes long, or I think four minutes long, that uh, I can play for you right now. It's very humorous, and I, and I think you'll like it. Introduction. I have been awarded the VSC Honorary Degree, Very Senior Citizen, for which I am most grateful. Without such a degree, my education would have been greatly stunted. A Short Story Mystic June 14, 2014 The In-Between Time I feel that I should write something. I do not know who I should write it for, what I should write, or why I should write. It may be that I just don't want to go to bed yet. I am in a new place called Stone Ridge, in Mystic, Connecticut. Don't walk behind me. I may not lead. Don't walk in front of me. I may not follow. Just walk beside me and be my friend. Albert Camus A Poem Dinner with My Friend when we first met, he was in his 90s, I in my 80s, two old souls. His name is Coleman, a Yale man. Almost once a week, we meet for dinner. By the end of the entree, we conclude our discussion of current events. When dessert arrives, we are regaling each other with the humor of our youth-filled neighborhoods. His was the little town of Little Falls, New Jersey, his father, the town's doctor, had his office and surgery on the first floor of their house on Main Street. It was the 1920s, and of course that's the way things were in Little Falls. Also living with them was Victor, a gentle giant of a St. Bernard, trained by his father to do his duty. Each morning Victor would amble down the sidewalk to the corner of the block and enter the town's bakery. The baker awaited with a bag of six steaming buns, 
Victor would wag his tail, take the bag from the baker's hand, clasp it in his mighty tooth-zippered jaw, and amble back to the doctor's office to claim his reward. A gentle tap on the massive head and his nostrils filled with warm scents. A simple time before leash laws, creating memories rooted deep in Coleman's soul, which even Yale and more than nine decades in the world could not erase, making dinner more memorable than dessert. A poem. The Mystery of Friendship. Friends are a mystery. We make so many acquaintances, but so few friends. We call them friend. They call us friend. We like them, even love them. Their company is welcome, but there is a but. I know not what it is. But when one you sense can be a friend arrives, when you arrive, even with a table full with others, my soul lifts. I feel lighter, less lonely. The mystery is that you need not say a word, even if you sit in silence or do no more than nod in my direction. My soul lifts. Your gentleness lifts my soul. I seek your friendship and hope you hear my silent plea. A poem. Poison. The gloom of winter, short days and long nights, white, gray, black, soon fading into the early days of spring. A poem. Spray starch. Standing on the middle of my kitchen table, a tall, bright yellow can of Niagara spray starch, put there by me with the hope someone would see it and volunteer to iron my shirts. Instead, my friend sat for coffee without his hearing aid or reading glasses when I heard him shout a question. Viagra! In a spray can! No, you idiot! It's Niagara spray starch. What's it for? You spray it on your shirt to make your collar stiff. May I borrow it? No! It only stiffens collars. Do I need a prescription? No, not for spray starch. And the next time you come for coffee, bring your hearing aid and reading glasses. And I hope you liked that. That was The Magic Table, or a portion of it. The Magic Table, prose and poetry uh, from the over 80s crowd. I might be screwing up a word in there, but don't worry about it. That's basically what it is. It uh, was, like I said, the very first thing I did, and I hope you liked it. Uh, next up, we have an audition for a video game. I don't remember the name of it. It was a pretty long time ago. The only thing I do remember, and what is fairly evident in the scene, is that it's a dying uncle. Okay? Here it is. Who's there? Am I dreaming? Sarah? Is that you? I thought the sheriff and his men took you. I tried to stop them, but... It is not safe for you here. How did you escape? Sarah, my dear, I don't know what you've done, but sometimes... <laughs> 
It is only when we are plunged into darkness that we find the light and realize just how close we actually are to reaching it. And besides, if there is a hell, besides the hell we've created here, I imagine it stands quite empty and cold at the moment. All the devils are already living here in our midst. I do not fear the devil half so much as I fear the church. I do not claim to know the designs God has for us all, but according to Scripture, nothing can happen unless he wills it. The devil was also an angel of light, once, and so wisdom and holiness must flow through his blood. God is a punisher of the wicked, but punishment is not something he loves to do. Sometimes, I believe, his hand works through the devil to punish evildoers and set right again the injustices of this world. I am sorry, my dear. I tried to stop the sheriff from taking you, but there were too many of them. Everything of value we owned was taken by a mob after they left. We've lost everything. I was helpless to prevent it. I will not last through the night. But there is still hope for you. And, of course, that was my... Uh, Possibly my one and only uh, foray into video games. I've been trying to get into that for a long time. And that, I guess it was a dying uncle to this young woman. And that's really all I can remember about it. But anyway, uh, that was that. And this is The Borrowed Souls by Paul B. Kohler. I think in the beginning I said John B. Kohler. And I'm sorry about that, uh, Paul, <laughs> if you're listening. Paul B. Kohler wrote, wrote this uh, book, uh, gosh, I don't know how many years ago it was. It wasn't, it's not terribly old, but it's, uh, it's a few years old. And he actually came to me and asked me to do it. Uh, I knew nothing about it, and um, it was the first really long book I ever did. It was well over, I think it was 107,000 words. And so after I freaked out for a day or two, uh, I went at it, and uh, it was it was a page-turner, so it was a lot easier. Uh, a very good uh tale of the afterlife that's about all i want to say about it go to audible.com and check it out it's a very good book here it is the borrowed souls book one the soul collector chapter one everything was a blur and i had to force my eyes to focus on the hand touching my shoulder with effort, the watch on his wrist became clear. It read 145. My eyes followed up his arm to his shoulder and finally to the person the hand belonged to. The face was covered by several days of growth. 
and he had crystal clear eyes. Hey, buddy, last stop, he said, standing above me. It took me a few moments to realize what was going on. Was this heaven? Or was it hell? I tried to stand up, but slumped back again. Easy now. Had a few too many tonight? Asked the driver. Uh, I... is all I could form in my mouth. Don't worry, buddy. I've been there before. You know, I'm supposed to call the police when I find a drunk on my bus. But you look harmless enough. Let's get you out to the bench and you can take your time waking up. The driver pulled me up and led me down the aisle of the bus. He helped me down the steps and over to the bench. Bidding me farewell, the bus driver climbed back in and drove off. I glanced around, but nothing looked familiar. To say I was feeling a bit disoriented would be an understatement. As I sat on the cold steel bench, I tried to piece together what might have happened to me. I looked at my watch. 1.53 a.m. Where had the time gone? All I could surmise was that I was extremely late getting home from work and that Cindy was probably worried. Despite my throbbing head and the strong desire to curl up on the bus stop bench to take an extended nap, I forced myself up and began to stagger down the block. As I neared the corner, I looked at the street signs. None of the cross streets sounded familiar. I looked in all four directions, wondering which direction home was, and chose the one that looked the most promising. As I slowly stumbled along the vacant sidewalk, my mind began to retrace my evening. For the life of me, I couldn't even remember even getting on the bus. The last thing I could remember was leaving some cafe after work. I tried to remember who I was with and kept coming up blank. I must have been with Cindy. But every time I thought of my wife, I began to feel anger creep into my head. Where was the anger coming from? After another block of foreign surroundings, I realized I wasn't alone. With my head clearing more by the minute, I slyly glanced back over my shoulder and noticed a man. He was older, dressed in a tan suit with a white fedora. He followed me, keeping pace about a half block behind. Looking forward again, I mumbled, Cindy, where the hell am I? Speaking her name jarred something loose in my head, and the memories from the past twenty-four hours began to resurface. A feeling of loss and despair rushed in, but I could not pinpoint the reason behind it. I felt my pulse rise. Anxiety shot to the surface, and my pace quickened. I looked back at the man following me, and he also increased his pace. Not wanting to discover his intentions, I turned the corner and, once out of sight, I sprinted to the nearest alley. Ducking into the darkness of the back street, I stood in the shadows until the man passed by. He never did. I waited several minutes before I decided to move, and just as I stepped away from the dingy brick wall, a voice came from behind me. Feeling a little lost, Mr. Duffy. The voice was a little more than a harsh murmur, but the echo in the alley was thunderous. I spun around, and the man was standing calmly in the alley. 
Next to the brightness of his hat, the color of his skin paled in comparison. His eyes were deep and sorrowful as he looked upon me with determination. Come again? I asked. It's completely understandable. Riding the M5 for six hours, non-stop, would certainly cause bewilderment for anyone, said the mysterious man. Dumbfounded, I stared at the man. He was a stranger to me, but there was something about him that seemed familiar. I'm sorry, have we met? You seem to know me by name and know where I was tonight. We've not been formally introduced, but rest assured, I'm not here to harm you. What do you remember from last night? he asked. I tell you, not much. I woke up on the bus, and all I can remember is leaving a cafe sometime after work. The rest of my day is a blur, I replied, rubbing my temples to soothe an ever-present headache. I sometimes find that starting at the beginning of the day is best. Shall we have a seat and begin? asked the man as he led me across a dimly lit street to a park bench that I hadn't noticed before stepping into the alley. As unusual as the situation was, it seemed like the right thing to do at the time. So I didn't protest. Now then, Mr. Duffy, what was the first thing this morning that you can recall? asked the man. Wait up. Seeing as you know me, maybe you should at least tell me who you are, I stated, hoping to glean as much information about the stranger as I could. Come now, Mr. Duffy. You know who I am. Sorry, but I really don't. You seem familiar, but I don't remember ever meeting you. Oh, that is quite correct. We've not been formally introduced. Then what do I call you? Whatever you wish, he said, smiling. I don't understand. Haven't you got a name? I do, but it doesn't matter what you call me. We sat on the park bench for several moments in silence. All the while, I was racking my brain as to why the last twenty-four-plus hours were missing from my memory. As I mentioned, it might help starting from the moment you woke this morning, or yesterday morning, rather. The stranger held his closed hand toward me, and when he opened it, there was a large gold coin in his open palm. Take this coin, Mr. Duffy. Take it, and turn it over in your hands. Examine the two faces of the coin, and try to focus on the moment you woke. I took the coin and did as he asked. The coin was quite old, the surfaces worn nearly smooth. I could just barely make out the words, In God we trust, but nothing more. I turned the coin over, and as I did, my morning came flooding back to me. And a very good book, The Borrowed Souls. Check it out at audible.com. 
And that should do it for this episode. If you enjoyed hearing from the books I read today, make sure you visit audible.com for more books and short stories that I, as well as many other voice artists, have narrated. Be sure to email me at tomreadyourstory at yahoo.com to send in your written material for me to perform, or if you have specific questions about getting into the voiceover biz. And as always, thanks, Anchor.fm, for this wonderful chance at having a continuing podcast. I very much appreciate it. Hope you decide to come back soon. Have a great rest of your day, and take care. For more information on Tom's availability for your e-learning, commercial, audiobook, or video project, visit his website at www.tomzvoices.weebly.com. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Tom Reads Your Story.